And then we had 60 uh, therapists and practitioners validate the QUAN framework. The framework that I talked about is extremely based in science, right? When we pulled together our MVP, we we had up to like 500 um, what we call users or employees go through the assessments, right? Hi, this is a Business Models Inc. production. You're listening to our third episode of Where's Value Next? A podcast series about business model innovation, new value spaces and digital frontrunners. In this episode, we take a look at a new and very exciting business model in health and well-being. My colleague Wouter Brasum interviews Arosha Brouwer, the co-founder of Quorn, and they have been developing a different kind of employee well-being software. So, Quorn is the company's name. So what is the problem that you want to solve for your customers? To answer that, let's take a little bit of a macro view, right? So at the moment, um, 81% of workers have experienced burnout or a mental health issue over the last two years. Uh, One in three are actively looking for a new job. And yeah, that's a lot. lot. Yeah, yeah. studies both in the US and the Netherlands, actually. Um, And a lot of studies are showing that when it comes to Gen Z and millennials, Mm -hmm. the number one workplace want is employee well-being, right? So the corporate wellness market is exploding right now. There's so many solutions, but most of them are for the individual. Um, But they don't actually fix workplace issues, right? So in order to solve the problem, uh, which is, you know, how do we create environments where employee well-being Uh, is a priority we need to create a way to measure and manage it in a continuous way and if we're talking about well-being and employer Mm well-being what does it mean to you well that's how we started actually what is well-being that was the question that i had two and a half years ago which is you know basically led to con um it's a very complicated topic um kwan's definition is uh we look at basically five dimensions body, mind, meaning, self-fulfillment, and social connectedness. Mm. Underneath that, there are about 28 sub- sub-dimensions, and underneath that, there's about 250 predictors. Okay, it's that's a, a lot. It's a lot. It's yeah. quite complicated. That's yeah. why many people don't actually know what it is. Yeah. So what we've developed is this assessment where you do it, um, takes about eight minutes to do, mm. and the system basically recognises these are the three things that are going well and these are the three things that are not so that you can then do something about it. And we look at both uh, work life, but also personal life. Uh, Because well-being is, you know, you need to look at it in a holistic way, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. it needs to be contextualized and thought of beyond just mental health, which I think right now is, is the flavor of the year. Yeah, yeah. And let's say I'll become a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going to solve my, my yeah. problem? Yeah. So, so what we, in in one line, what Quan does is we help busy teams create healthy rituals, right? Yeah. Um, and and the whole uh, premise behind that is you can help individuals, you can point them to therapy and meditation apps, but mm-hmm. what you really need to do is teach teams to create the right context so that you create a healthy environment so that people can work effectively, yeah. right? So Quan is made up of basically two parts. Mm-hmm. One is the assessment, which takes eight minutes to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
individuals become more aware, aggregated results, the teams become more aware. And then we support teams in doing one thing very, very well, which is a two-hour meeting every quarter. Um, That's not a lot. It's not a lot at all. But what you do is you go from looking at the data, having a structured discussion, through to then being matched to rituals. And these rituals are Mm science-backed and peer-reviewed. So they're basically suggested steps for the team to undertake to circumvent the issues that the team is facing. Okay. Right? And you repeat that every quarter. Yeah. So, yeah. So the added value is that you are trying to really create those rituals within Mm -hmm. the teams. Indeed. It is about, at the end of the day, it's about Mm self-awareness and behavioral change. Right? So this is how you measure it and you manage it. Yeah. And did you all already had some some practical client cases that you could many. share? Yeah, yeah, exactly, many. So um, some really nice uh, examples. I think one of my favorite ones uh, yeah. was uh, a, a scale-up. Um, they did the, the assessment. Um, one of their l- lowest uh, well-being dimensions was work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um common, you know, scale-ups. But what the structured discussions identified was uh, that it was because more than 50% of the group uh, came from hospitality. Mm. And even though this place was all about uh, flexibility, these guys just didn't know how to take out personal time in work life. They've, They've never done it before. And so the response or the ritual that the team created was that the founders started taking little videos of themselves doing you know, fun stuff during the day. Okay. Um, and then not only showed it to the team, they introduced it as part of onboarding. Yeah. So then people could actually see, oh, this really is the culture. Like that yeah. really is the founder. And so this is an example of how data discussion led to a ritual, which is really, really concrete. Which is, in the end, a part of the culture. So that's it. Trying to change cultures within yes. companies is that's that. That's I mean, change or optimize, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at the end of the day, Quan's mission is to place well-being at the heart of success. Yeah. What that means is, we believe well-being should be a strategic priority, mm-hmm. right? Um, if something is of that importance, it infiltrates the culture, right? Yeah. And and what you've got then is. Uh, a commitment from the leadership, this is important, yeah. and ultimately the behavior of the people is going to define the culture, right? Yeah. So when you create space for well-being insights and discussions and improved ways of working because you're optimizing well-being, mm-hmm. then your culture is yeah. going to be yeah. improved as a result. Yeah. And how do you see it at this moment in, in the boardrooms or the people that you talk to, your customers, is health and well-being placed in the strategic part of the organization, or I think it's there's a far there's a there's a willingness there's a realization, yeah. but we still have some steps to make before it is really treated as a strategic priority. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why we famously say that right now, I mean, Quan is what we call category defining software. We're made for the ten percent, right? Mm. We are made for the ones that are 
going to introduce and and um, role model that hey, not only do we say it's important, yeah. we actually measure it, right? Um, and so we are now obviously working with founders like that and with um, business unit leaders in mm-hmm. large corporations. Can you name some yeah, role models? Sure. The, um, Jill Murray, uh, Chief Marketing Officer of Arcadis, which is a company of oh, yeah. 30,000, um, has is rolling Quan out across her entire marketing base of 150. She is a deeply um, values uh, purpose-led and, and, and values-driven leader yeah. um, who is creating space for her teams. Um, Binder yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, was one of our very early customers. We started with a small pilot of, of five teams and we're rolling it across the whole organisation in January. Um, you know, so this is one of the Dutch, you know, best scale-ups. So mm-hmm. I think that these are the companies that are setting the examples. Yeah. And, and so the marketing team of Arcadis mm-hmm. that is your your contact person mm-hmm. and, and uh, from the other side which which is your your persona that you are talking to because yeah. I, th- I think that's quite hard sometimes HR business leaders marketing yeah. teams we have two um, so we have two ICPs as we say one mm-hmm. is um, the startups and scale-ups where it's the founder or it's the chief people officer um, uh, where they're, you know, very forward-thinking leaders and they they really want to hire the best and they really want to create that culture aimed at the Gen Z and the millennials, right? Um, That's one. And then within large enterprise, it's the forward-thinking business unit leaders that are looking for something different um and so that's why we're starting to work with the team within fedex we you know within arcadis mm-hmm. you know, those are the examples there yeah, nice, nice. okay um and if we have a look at the maturity of quan mm-hmm. could you tell us a bit more how it started sure. and and where you are right now yeah absolutely so we started um late 2020 and we started with research um so we spent a good year and a half um, understanding the topic, um, doing more than a thousand user research yeah. interviews. More than um, a thousand. More than a thousand, yeah. And we built MVP, um, tested that with psychologists and coaches, watched teams, yeah. um, and then on the back of that had a very good idea for a product. Mm-hmm. And we had been bootstrapped for that entire time for 200,000 euros, right? And then we happened to get into YC, which was very nice. Um, um, And so what happened then was, so if you think 2021 was all research, understanding, really getting into the nuts and bolts of of the topic, um, 2022, uh, January was when we closed our first million Mm. and we hired our technical team. And it was in May that we launched the product. Yeah. Um, and as of August, um, we've hit double-digit percentage growth. Um, so now we wow. support yeah. 23 customers, 55 teams, 508 users, and that's just growing um, pretty much week on week. Quite an impressive growth in six months, if I'm saying. Yeah. And I mean, some might say, um, I think the mistake that I made was, um, especially with some of the early earlier investors, which uh, I had sort of convinced myself that the MVP was getting so much interest and traction that I made my projections based on that. And that was that's a fallacy. I think yeah. you need to realize that 
it starts when you actually launch your product, you know. <laughs> and so yeah. when I finally, it's literally not until two weeks ago that I went, we're not that slow actually. Actually, we launched in May. Yeah. You know. It's quite um, impressive. It's actually quite good. <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that was that was interesting. And yeah. that's probably what happens when you're a non-tech first-time founder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you have a look at the revenue model, mm-hmm. how's that structured? It's very simple. Uh, okay. That's probably also something that I need to improve. But at the moment, it's um, subscription. Um, a flat 80 euros um, per 80. 80, 80 yeah. per employee for the full year. Um, That's not a lot. No, 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 it's not a lot. Um, but, you know, we have customers that are tiny startups of 10 people and mm-hmm. then, you know, the large organizations of 500. So, yeah. And how did you come up with the amount? Did you did some benchmarking did. within the industry <coughs> or? Yeah, we did. We we actually, uh, as part of that user research in, in 2020, um, we asked what HR leaders were spending um, on mental health, well-being applications. So we've kind of worked it out to be between six and ten euros per month. Okay. Um, yeah. And so then we sort of made a, a price based on that. But you also said that you maybe need to... Change it. Change it? <laughs> At some point. Okay. Yeah, look, for now, I think I'm going to make it very, very crystal clear. I'm looking for my ideal customers these are forward-thinking leaders that are going to embrace it and help us change and drive this movement right so i have no interest in just coming in bottoming out the market and yeah i need people that are going to use it adopt it give us feedback make us better the others will come Um, but for me right now i want those purpose-driven leaders okay we already mentioned the the thousand plus people that you interviewed. Mm. Could you tell us a bit more how you yeah. set up the the yeah the validation processes? Yeah, I might say absolutely. So um, it helps that Lucy and I, uh, Lucy, my co-founder, and I both have fifteen years work experience behind us. So um, we have pretty um, active networks, um, and also the founding team are seasoned. Um, yeah. Very, very strong backgrounds. And so amongst us, we had uh, huge networks into startup, scale-up, but also corporations, right? So I would say we interviewed about 400 and then we had about an additional uh, 400 HR leaders, people leaders, team leaders from across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And what amount of time? uh, It would have taken us about 10 months, I'd say. Okay. and then we had 60 uh, therapists and practitioners validate the quant framework, mm-hmm. right? Because we have a very, the framework that I talked about is extremely based in science, right? Yeah. Um, and then when we pulled together our MVP, we, we had, you know, up to like 500 um, what we call users or employees go through the assessments, right? Yeah. Um, so so that would make the, the thousand. And if I'm honest, and maybe some listeners would say the same, mm. quite a long validation yeah. process. Yeah. Why didn't you start earlier with the kickoff and then learning mm. eh, while yeah. doing? Um, we were bootstrapped. Yeah. yeah, and we had to sidestep some bad term sheets. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is what happens if one of us is not a developer, right? Um, yeah. 
and we ended up having an amazing deal with an agency to build MVP. So yes, we were building MVP whilst doing some of the analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think that this is to our advantage now because we're just about to announce a collaboration with a leading UK university. Okay, um, that's interesting. Which is really exciting because only 2% of wellbeing applications in the world are backed by science. Okay. Right? So we're, we're joining the leagues of Headspace and Unmind. When um, can we hear more about this ooh, uh, uh, potential I collaboration? A, I reckon it's a couple of weeks away. Okay. Um, and it's pretty exciting. And so um, they don't just collaborate with a bunch of people that have no. come together and had an idea and started building stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um and and during the validation process did you had to make some some big pivots or Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Can you yeah, tell us that's a, bit a good more? one. So, our um initial hypothesis was um improve self-awareness, point an individual to self-care, well-being should improve. Right. Um, So that's the argument for therapy apps. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we found through the research process, right, and and the validation process was the School of Clinical Psychology will say this is the case. Right. But the School of Organizational Psychology will tell you that context matters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Right. So you you, you send someone to therapy um, and then you bring them back to the team that's making them sick and they're still going to burn out. Exactly. And so that's where Quan was like, oh, we're not a matching app. No. Right? And, and, you know, all respect to the applications out there that do that, right? Uh But we're not that. What we're going to help with is the context. And what we're going to do is enable people to have discussions about things that they might not be aware of or be that they don't have time to discuss but we know are fundamental to productivity and performance because the truth is if you have anxiety at home or because you're I don't know your family's sick or whatever um, no amount of fine-tuning that OKR is going to make you perform better right yeah I agree yeah. So so that's a very human part. And yeah. so the truth is, in the workplace, we need to create moments where teams can discuss those other things. Mm-hmm. Right? And from there on, take actions. Indeed. And you can't rituals. just improve performance yeah. by talking about performance. No. <laughs> no. And right? the managers are not psychologists neither. No. So you that's need to have an other. open discussion if you really Indeed. want to. Yeah. Indeed, and that's the other thing we learned. So typically HR, you know, this is these guys have so much to do and they don't need another initiative to roll out, really. Mm-hmm. HR's done with rolling out stuff that no one really adopts, right. right? Because most of these applications, these wellbeing perks, it's 10 to 25% adoption, yeah. right? And it's really hard to measure any kind of correlation to, oh, since we rolled out X why has happened mm-hmm. right that's one and the other thing is is that during covid um most of the pressure besides hr fell onto the individual manager yeah. it was like okay you've got a team of six or ten you need to make sure their well-being's okay like yeah. do whatever you need to so what did they do the either a pulse check or a one-on-one every week how are you doing that question, how are you, yeah. is a really loaded question, mm-hmm. right? 
And if someone was to truly open up, how are you going to deal with that? And that's what happened. A lot of managers had these heavy conversations where they were not equipped. So that's where Quan's like, okay, we need to develop something in a way where a team can have a discussion and it can be productive, but not need a therapist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why all of the validation we did was with initially psychologists and coaches watching a meeting. Yeah facilitating a meeting and then we took the psychologist away and then we took the coach away and then we took the uh, facilitator away and then we watched the team lead with just a powerpoint right and then we digitized the powerpoint right so we we really we have we come from backgrounds of psychology and change management and we understand that this is behavioral change and no piece of pure just software is going to drive the movement that we intend on helping Looking at your, your current business model, eh? mm-hmm. there probably are some challenges you face uh, at the moment. Yeah. Can you name a few? Yeah. Um, I think at the stage that we're in, um, it, it is, I think, the majority of, of, of SaaS founders that budding out of startup to scale up will be a repeatable and scalable um, yeah. sales model, right? Um, we're now starting with the partnership model, um, okay. which which, you know, We've got to give it time to, to see. Um, um, so that is, is probably the first one. Um, and I think the next step for us, we're an English-only platform and mm. we are getting interest from countries around the world. Of course, yeah. Um, which is great. Um, but it will then require marketing efforts and that next yeah. piece. And I think that's probably after this first hurdle of, okay. Yeah, and scale it towards exactly. the global. Exactly, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you went to to market quite eh, recently. Yeah. Um, what is your your first step now in the coming weeks or months? Mm. Um, something that I um, learned from having spoken to um, over twenty B two B SaaS founders was the importance of community, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're building category defining software. Yeah. Finding those people that believe so much in what you're trying to do and they want to be associated with it and um i am just blown away by the number of people that have come forward and that have joined willingly into our community which is growing like crazy at the moment um and they are customers they are potential customers they're partners they're just ambassadors we've had at least two or three people move like they've changed jobs because of realizations they've had right so i it is it is basically growing that and learning from them so that we can continuously improve the product you know that that for me if we can do that well then we've set the foundation of quan Right, and that's that's what I intend on doing. To conclude our conversation, mm-hmm. which advice do you maybe have for your fellow innovators within the health and well-being domain? There is no winner takes it all, right? Especially in this space, um, we need to think of how we can collaborate with each other. Yeah. Um, and just be specific about the problem that you solve. Um, and how you can then integrate or work alongside the others. Yeah. And and that is where, you know, we decided to focus on the team part. 
um, because we see our comrades um, in the individual part mm -hmm. and we intend on working with them. So if you truly care about well-being and health, you know, pick one problem to solve, solve it very well, and then come and integrate with Quan. Arosia Brouwer, the co-founder of Quan, who was interviewed by Wouter Brasen. A very interesting story about a business model which has been validated extremely well. This was the third episode of the Business Models Inc. Where's Value Next podcast. Follow Business Models Inc. on LinkedIn for our latest content about health and well-being. And if your company needs some business model transformation, reach out to us to discuss your next big innovation within this domain.